Stay tuned for a special message from Michelle, for real, for real this time. Listen all the way toward the end and you'll hear a special message from our sister, Michelle. And also do not listen to this episode if you don't want Black Klansmen spoiled for you. If you have already watched the movie, enjoy. If you haven't yet, hold off and listen to this discussion after you've watched the show. Enjoy. Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, doing all right. Doing all right. <laughs> Trying to add some more lyrics to it. I know. <laughs> okay. Well needs a verse. It needs a hook. Yes. <laughs> it needs a remix. Yes. Build it out for season three. Build it out. Amen. 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 So pretty good. How are you, Akimini? I'm good. I am good. I'm excited about this episode. I can't complain. God is good. Good stuff. Good All stuff. All the time. All the time, ain't it? No. Yeah, so we are we are at the end of the road. I feel like I you know. know. You know, cue cue boys to men. Although we've come. <laughs> <laughs> But don't cue them because we don't have the right. We don't, them. don't. Sing, sing it, sing it, on, right. sing it in your heart. <laughs> Raise your hands in your heart. We can just let it be a title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we do have. Uh, we are at the end of the road, uh, but we thought it would be good to um, give our listeners, our fellow sisters. Um, at the table, uh, another movie discussion. How about that? Yeah. Uh, we try not to say review because we don't want nobody, you know, judging our review, talking about, y'all didn't review it well enough. <laughs> so it's a discussion about a movie. And uh, Black Klansman is on the table. That's what's up. But um, now y'all know how Get Out went. So <laughs> Get Out, you know, it was me and Christina that watched it. <laughs> Michelle had not seen it yet. Okay, so in, yeah, it went so well. Let's go keep that format. <laughs> it was for, exactly. And in Truth Table's format, we're, we're, we're keeping that, that tradition going. <laughs> so me and Christina saw it. M did not get to see it yet. Um, M is here at the table. And so, you know, so, I could be at the theater or at the table. You, you know, we got to make choices. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, anyway, so, M, why don't you start us off and just talk to the people and, you know, <laughs> and we'll get going. <laughs> yeah. So, we, um, one of the interesting things about, and, you know, let's just keep it real. Mm -hmm. uh, Spike Lee ain't. Uh, we love him. He and the family. Um, but Chirac was a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster. So we were like, oh, okay, maybe this is actually. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, we're going to uh, give Black Klansmen a try. And I think that um, overall, I mean, there were a lot of people that appreciated it. And I think that it was a really, I thought the promotion went really well it's like 11 something million u.s box office which is pretty solid for a late summer serious um content mm -hmm. um considering the film has you know language that the average person who's like what am i going to take my kids to see before they go back to school they ain't they ain't gonna go see black klansmen um right. but um no. in no. the early yeah. 70s um one of the first African-American detectives to serve in Colorado Springs uh, really makes a name for himself um, rolling through uh, to infiltrate and expose the KKK. And so that premise alone, I think, brought a lot, especially in this time, like where we are in the U.S. right now. That brought a lot of interest, not to mention the role, uh, the really important production. And I, I think y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but writing roles of Jordan Peele. Um, yeah, he was an executive huge, producer. Mm -hmm. That had a big impact. Mm -hmm. So I think it it's just it makes sense for Truth Table to talk about this film. So all right. Yeah, yeah. So all right. So uh let's shall we jump into it, y'all? <laughs> mm -hmm. Dive it. 
Let's dive in. Okay, so really quick. So M gave you guys a bit of a synopsis. Uh, let me kind of throw out some of the names so you guys know. So, you know, it's a it's a spikely joint. It's set in the 70s, right? Um, about the African-American police officer played by John David Washington. Okay. And you mm-hmm. all may or may not know who he's related to, but I want him to stand on his own two feet. You know, I'm trying not to, you know, associate him. Okay, this is the son of Denzel Washington. I just feel like this will always I mean, be the case. When, when your daddy is Denzel, people go know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right away. Uh, and when your mama is Pauletta, hello. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, so in the 70s, you know, um, Ron Starworth, you know, in, infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan in Colorado Springs, Springs but he did it over the phone. Okay, so when the Ku Klux Klan requested a face-to-face meeting with him, his partner, Flip Zimmerman, who was Jewish in the film, this is just a fictional edition, y'all. Um, the, the, the guy was actually not Jewish in real life. Um, this uh, Flip Zimmerman is actually played by Adam Driver. And so he stands in for him for the face-to-face um, meetings. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's the premise. That's the summary of the story and there's other players that um are in the in the movie um that we'll bring in through our discussion so yeah all right thoughts see mm-hmm. <laughs> all the thoughts all one the thoughts. also okay thoughts about the movie why don't why well, what don't did I just you expect with... i mean i don't what did you expect? what did i expect so okay so i went into this movie with very, if I recall correctly, you know how we start. We change our um, our memories to suit our present <laughs> moment, right? But I think that I didn't have many expectations at mm. all. I expected something eclectic mm-hmm. uh, because I think of Spike Lee as as almost having, um, although his his medium is is film, mm-hmm. um, he has a stage a stage quality to his work yes. that that I feel like you know School Days should actually have been on Broadway I agree. by now. Um, so like that should happen, mm-hmm. whoever's listening. That um, but so I went in expecting to see some, some, some pretty creative, uh, expressions on, on the film. I also went in anxious. Mm. Uh, so I went, as I watched this movie, I, I went in thinking I'm going to see something that's going to disturb me. Right. So like I went in anticipating certain types of scenes of violence, mm-hmm. uh, particularly lynchings. So uh, throughout the so I, so I need to watch it again. I've only watched it once. I need to watch it a second time without the fear that I recognized that was in my body yeah. as I started to watch the movie because it actually was not as violent uh, as I had expected mm-hmm. for it to be. I mean, there were certainly violent elements to it in uh, storytelling and pieces like that. But um, so that's, that that kind of went in. I kind of went in thinking like, okay, I'm going to see something artistic but real crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I thought as I went in, as I ate my my burger. And what what about you? Well, I forgot. I failed to mention that we, me and C, actually saw it together. First time ever, we got to see it together. As we ate our burger and fries, we did. Oh, I thought we told you we did. We got to see it together. Yeah, girl, and the burger was pretty good actually. Um, so well, we were hungry too. I almost had the itis. I was fighting the itis. I was like, Lord, please don't let me fall asleep. Um, so I went. And honestly, y'all, you know, I love Spike. I really do. Um, but post 90 Spike, I've had a fraught relationship with. I mean, honestly, yeah. I've, been, yeah. <laughs> I've just found myself, you know, like even post Inside Man, found myself, you know, quite disappointed, but with a lot, the body of the work that he's put out mm-hmm. um, as of late, including She's Gotta Have It on Netflix. I just was not a fan. Mm. And so I was like, oh, man. And every time I'm like, I'm not going to watch another. And then every time I do, because I love Spike, because I do. Every time I declare, I'm like, I'm not going to watch another. That was just whack. You know, <laughs> and then sure. I. And I'm back and at And I'm back <laughs> at the movie theater again. And I'm back on Netflix hitting play. Um, so there you go. So, so I was like, I didn't know what to expect. He's got that. He's got that residual respect. So yeah, that's I mean, that like, I mean, his work was so formative for my, you know, development and just growing up. You know, so uh, school days for life. Um, so I was like, okay. So I went in not knowing what to expect. To be honest, I was like, I don't know how this is gonna go. Um, and I just even the previews didn't seem to really indicate what it would be it seemed like it would be a comedy but i just like how could this be funny you know so uh, yeah. I, I was just a little i was a little nervous but i wasn't maybe as um, apprehensive as c was i was just like let me just watch this movie and see what's gonna happen um yeah. but yeah and I, I left 
uh, it was funny. It, there were there were some really funny parts. Um, it was not as violent as I would have probably thought it might have been. Right, there were some parts that were like intense that I had to look away from, um, which we mm-hmm. might get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was um, it was like okay, Spike is coming back. Like you know, what I'm saying I wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't completely back, and I think we need to give people room to grow. But but there were some elements that made me go, hmm, this is a. Li- I don't know if Spike would have done this back in the '90s. You know, taking this this perspective or this approach in the '90s. So I'm like, and I I, I like to unpack that a little bit later. So I left the the theater pretty, you know, satisfied with the movie, and I was like, okay, you know, like this is good. It was interesting. Maybe maybe question some things. I was like, huh? <laughs> I had some questions, but but overall, I thought it was good. And I think it's worth watching. Definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you got some questions for us? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I have all the questions. The outside, the outside <laughs> looking. What do you want to know? I'm out here. <laughs> I'm out here. You know, I'm just like relegated to the review section. ABD, you know, some of the best critics uh, don't actually watch the film. Is what I've heard. Well, so there you I go. think that one of the biggest pieces that people talk about is the really strong line between past and present that the movie draws. I mean, yes, so hindsight yeah. plays a huge role in pieces that are about points in history that are obviously not dead today. I mean, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a part where the explanation of someday uh, America is just going to elect someone who embodies the ideals of the Klan mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and how they break it down. Yeah. They have this scene. Yeah. What did y'all think about um, what some some people who praise the film say those points were important to draw and they were written and snuck in really well. And other people say it was overbearing. These neon lights aren't needed for any audience member who's going to go to a film called Black Klansman. Um, they don't necessarily need like the blinking neon lights to, to draw those mm. strong lines. Did y'all pick up on that? And how, how did you engage, interact with that? Yeah, no, you know, it's funny. Um, I did see somebody say, well, it was a little heavy handed, you know, um, uh-huh. by pressing in the, you know, the white supremacy and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you can ever be heavy handed with that because mm-hmm. white supremacy is literally killing us. Well, um, so I was like, is heavy handed. <laughs> so, hey. Exactly. And people and people feign ignorance, you know, if, and, and I mean that feign ignorance. People know, mm-hmm. OK, what they're doing. So we need to dispel this myth of, oh, people are just under the 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 spell of ignorance no they're not okay so mm-hmm. they they know full well that they are racist and they carry these ideals about or these ideas um of dehumanizing ideas about other people people of color so um so i don't think that you can really um overdo it personally and i thought that spike really was like just in case just in case y'all don't get it i'm gonna give y'all <laughs> a, a, a through line of white supremacy right. from the past through the present and i'm going to tell y'all that your president is a white supremacist that's i mean that's literally what he was i mean he was hitting that point home to the point where at the end of the movie he was showing the footage from charlottesville Mm. and he was showing well actually what happened was i think he oh shoot what is that i meant to look that up sorry um that that you know you know spike's signature um film work what is that you know when they're on that dolly and they're moving through the room or through the scene i just don't know what it's called but anyways it's my I love it you know and so he had that you know going and then you know there was the cross burning oh yeah obviously you guys should know that there's spoilers so (laughs) I think we'll put that in the show notes let's put that we'll put that in the show notes there's spoilers y'all sorry so don't 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 listen (laughs) if you don't want to hear that but uh but but yeah so he kind of harkens back to the past and then slices in Charlottesville (laughs) I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I had to look away. Though that that was the part, of the, the parts of the movie where I had to look away, where you see the car, um, mm-hmm. um, barreling through the the, peop- the people, right? Um, in Charlottesville, yeah, um, at full mm-hmm. speed, um, from different angles. I mean, Spike was like, "No, y'all gonna get this work, and y'all mm-hmm. gonna understand this." Um, and then he, um, there was a picture of Heather Heyer, rest in peace, um, because white supremacy kills everybody eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so mm. so it just was like very, very clear um, is what I would say. Um, so I, I actually thought that was uh, well done, but I am biased, right? We're, we're anti-racist at this table. So I mean, so I don't think we're ever going to be like, no, nah, that was just too much. Like, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my opinion. I don't know. Christ- Christina, how, what did you think? <laughs> Yeah, so I can I can see how someone could could say that they could say that like it was neon lights and and even have like um, 
when I find that people get frustrated with that, sometimes it's almost like you're insulting my intelligence. I don't need all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. But, so I don't, I don't think he did it necessarily because we needed mm-hmm. it. I think that it was warranted. So, right. um, so despite that, when people were perceived as heavy handedness, there were still little moments of, gl- there were still little glimmers of, um, there were like insight moments or like there were still little surprises. Yeah. So, so some of the stuff that probably has come out has been like really overt and obvious of like, yes, this is pointing to um, this. This is foreshadowing mm-hmm. uh, the alt-right movement. This is foreshadowing mm-hmm. uh, white supremacy, uh, political strategy and polarization. Like, yes, that's true. And, that, and that's done in technicolor. Um, but there are other there are other little surprises in there, too, that I think helps to buffer that so that, that the movie is not 100 percent explicitly making these statements there are these little implicit little little flowers that pop up as well which i think had some really interesting insights in them yeah yeah i mean that's true there was some implicit like even um well maybe some people say explicit depends on if you know the history but um even when david duke you know was um in the movie i forgot who he's played by but you know he talks about thank you for you know, putting never putting America second and putting America first, right? Mm. That's a that's actually a classic line that's been said by the, mm. the Klan, you know, um, yeah, from history's sure. past, you know, mm. which obviously is getting, you know, it harkens, you know, to forward to, you know, uh, MAGA, mm. make America great and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, things that Trump has actually said. Um, so, yeah, so, mm-hmm. I, so I thought that was, um, I thought that was good. So you're right. There were some moments where it was a little bit more nuanced and whatnot, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. you could tell Spike was hitting that you know, like for people that were like on the fence, like, I don't know if things have, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that this racism is all that bad. I think it was really for those people, like, just in case you don't get it, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to make those very, you know, strong connections for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about the, um, I, I found it fascinating and maybe even complex. I wonder if Spike brought out the complexity of the relationship with uh, Patrice, is it? when um it seems (laughs) like the yeah i would just love to hear how y'all interacted with um this idea that like when he is working with the um with kwame and with the colorado Mm -hmm. college black students union um like he's wearing a wire and like also as he begins to work someone as a source he starts to fall for her so um mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the complexity of their views uh, especially <laughs> about institution of police right yeah so, mm-hmm. how did that yeah. play out for y'all and how did you wrestle with that through watching the film even thinking about it after yeah you know patrice dumas was played by laura Her- hurrier i believe mm-hmm. she was the president of the bsu um and eventually became the girlfriend of ron stallworth whether this is i don't know if this is true but you know yeah, yeah. um but in the movie that's what mm-hmm. what it was um and actually c has some really good insights there so i you know they kind of made you know patrice like a how can you say a baby angela davis you know if you will mm-hmm. um they kind of modeled her modeled um her um after uh, angela um, and I really liked Patrice a lot. <laughs> I really identify with her. She was very much, you know, um, very strong in her convictions, right, about the revolution and um, her love for blackness. And yeah, you're right. When Ron met her, she he was wearing, you know, a wire and they ended up dating. And, you know, he, of course, concealed, you know, uh, his work from her you know, initially. And then later on when she found out, she was like, you know, I just, I can't be, you know, with a cop. And uh, so I don't know. I felt Patrice, I know that Christine has a, a bit of a different, you know, take, but, uh, but yeah, and I saw, I don't want to steal her thunder, but I, Patrice was actually one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters in the movie um, because she was so principled. So I think I actually mm-hmm. identified with her a lot and she was just like, I can't, I can't be, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> with you. I just can't be with you, you know, because, uh, you're a cop and I felt her mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. on that, particularly as a single yeah, woman yeah. who is actually on these online dating streets literally says, <laughs> no. I'm not dating a cop. <laughs> I've literally had I'm like, no, I can't do that. And so, <laughs> so, so so Christina but Christina had an even deeper um uh perspective about that their whole relationship, if you will. Yeah. I, well, I don't know how deep it was, but okay. So the first thing so the first thing I would say <laughs> is this. One of the most beautiful scenes in the movie to me is a scene where um, Patrice and Ron are at kind of like, kind of like a nightclub sort of. 
and um the cinematography almost goes like a bit oh soft touch gosh, the yes. colors begin to yes, kind yes. of blend together but not like in a psychedelic yes. way but almost like a like a tapestry it's like a piece of artwork yes. and the people are dancing and and there are moments when they're dancing absolutely in sync almost like choreographed but it's not so prescriptive but you can catch the choreography mm-hmm. in the moment and in that in that scene uh He's both falling in love. This is my interpretation. He's both falling in love with Patrice, but he's falling in love with Mm -hmm. Blackness through Patrice. And so Patrice, Mm -hmm. I think, represents Black identity, a love of Black identity. And as he gets closer to her, he gets closer to this, his own his mm-hmm. own identity as a black man. Um, and then that that whole sequence of dancing and the, the afros and the joy and the instep movements. Anyways, it, it is probably my favorite moment. And it was a it was a respite yeah, of, from was... anxiety of like, are they gonna lynch somebody in this movie? You know? Mm. So so I was like, yeah. I'm like, because I didn't pay my money and eat this popcorn to see that today. So um so so that was a moment where I Come felt on. really really like comfortable and I love the love of the of the culture the community and the love that he was developing for Patrice in that moment I thought that was really sweet to see um in terms of their relationship and I agree with you I think that um yeah yeah I I agree with like her strong convictions of like no nah, dude I can't I can't well for me even more so like because you lied and you was wearing a wire and you was undercover and first of all okay, lie. That's name one. Is liar, you know so but <laughs> But even further on, like her own uh, understanding of um, the role of police in society and institutional injustice, et cetera. So the conviction part, I, I got that. But but I also went away thinking about the role of internal internal change agents and external agitators. And that's where they both lived. I mean, she mm-hmm. is an external agitator. She's like, tear this mess down from the Ruta to the Tuta start again. Yeah. And what he literally yeah. represents in this movie, mm-hmm. this character does anyway, Ron is representing an internal change agent. And that's the case that he make he makes to her as he's as she's like, I'm done with you, homie. He makes the case of like, I'm literally infiltrating mm-hmm. the clan. Like I'm risking my life. Um right. and as the movie moves mm-hmm. on, you realize that mm-hmm. kind of his motivation isn't just about dismantling the clan uh, related to his own kind of identity, but to directly protect Patrice. Um, and I got to and I got to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. So so yes, yep. there there are all kinds of issues with this. But having come off a, a week or so of hearing uh, the the president of the United States refer to a black woman as a dog, I personally I personally appreciated mm. a scene yes. in a movie. Yes. How you know it's unrealistic they happen, but I I personally <laughs> appreciated seeing a black right. man uh, risk their life um, for a yes. black woman yeah. who was unabashedly black, um, and there was something about mm-hmm. that that I found to be beautiful, even though I didn't necessarily agree with his methodology, and I still and I agree with E like we still got problems here. There was something about seeing that scene. Uh, In light of hearing all the silence from black men not responding to the president referring to a black woman Mm -hmm. as a dog. So that that resonated Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering about, you know, just pulling from this uh, this juxtaposition of beauty Mm -hmm. and difficulty right you're talking about Mm, scenes mm. where there's so much belittling as you know the core content of the story is you know ultimately (laughs) this is infiltration into a space that it really was designed to belittle what what were the points that i think spike lee can be really gifted at of bringing Mm. like black beauty black love black joy um there's there's so much opportunity in Mm -hmm the perspective that he has and obviously the experiences yes. that he has what what different juxtapositions did you see or what were just yeah. some of the most beautiful and profound parts to you that stood out as timeless like taken I, all over in in one little piece i absolutely loved um it is actually the scene that um christina brought out was actually yeah. in the beginning yeah. i want to say the first 30 minutes of the movie oh I, okay um, and then my favorite scene actually is also, well, there's two, but, um, my first, like the, the, that really characterizes our, and, um, encapsulates, I'd say our beauty is in the beginning yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and it's when Kwame Torre, uh, yeah. also known as Stokely Mar- Carmichael, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, um, came, uh, to the school, uh, to, you know, uh, to the BSU 
meeting and and gave a speech. He was he was played by Corey Hardwick. Yeah, uh, Hardwick, I believe. Yeah, I still see him as Dr. Dre. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I just like to say that. He was great. It's not his fault. It's just me. Sometimes I get stuck on people as what they are, and I'm like, okay. like Dr. Dre to me. And so, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, so he's uh, so Kwame is there, and he's giving his speech, and y'all know, um, Kwame shut it down. Um, and as he's talking about us, um, you know, so he's right there that's the tension right there right so speaking about the ways that we're dehumanized speaking about white supremacy's um chokehold um on us and other people of color and talking about the need for us to galvanize and push back and all that stuff um so talking about that kind of that ugly stuff right but then mm-hmm. also talking about our beauty talking about our pride talking about um you know just our roots and and everything and as he was talking about our blackness um spike would pan to three people i'd say within the audience yeah. Oh, with God, a black so backdrop and you just see the beauty of their melanin. Oh mm. my goodness. I, it, like seriously, like that scene brought me to mm-hmm. like near mm-hmm. tears and I actually could almost cry right now. Seriously. Mm. Like it was like every time he would talk mm-hmm. about our nose, yep. I think he might've yep. mentioned our nose. I might be making this part of, but he, you know, he's talking about our, our features. Um, and then he would bring in three, three or four more mm. um, of us, you know, and highlight that. Right. Um, then he talked about our hair, bring in three or four more people from the audience, black out, black it out again. And you just see, mm-hmm. you know, um, see, you know, just the, our, our glory, if you will. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, beautiful um, So and masterful, I would say. So honestly, that was like my absolute favorite. I mean, it really brought tears to my eyes. Um, and then my, my other scene that I really loved so much was toward the end, his, um, his uh, classic, mm-hmm. you know, camera trick um, of, you know, actors being on the dolly. Ron. Um, and you mm-hmm. see uh, Patrice and um, uh, 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 Ron. Um, having holding the gun together side by side like Bonnie and Clyde, Black Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and, um, even if they don't stay together, even if they don't stay, I know that's what, the other thing. Okay, because you don't know. Um, so you don't we don't know. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Um, so uh, I was like, leave them, girl. Leave them, girl. So, like, <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't be in this mess if he didn't infiltrate in the first place. Yeah. No, but um, <laughs> I don't know about that. She would have been blown up. <laughs> This is true. So they're pointing, right? So they're pointing toward a window. And in that window is a burning cross. And you see the the um, KKK outside, you know, worshiping this idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're pointing. And I just thought that was just a beautiful scene, yeah. scene of them together. You know, mm-hmm. we're in this together, fighting white supremacy in our different ways. Um, so that was cool. So those were the two scenes for yeah, me yeah. that were just breathtaking. No, I, I, I fully resonate with that, too. And I was going to say that that first scene that you described where it kind of uh, the camera zones in on people's faces. When I was a little girl, I remember visiting people's homes, black people's homes. Um, yes. That would have. <laughs> I feel like, be specific. I, yeah, because I don't remember any white people. Yes. I mean, I didn't go to a lot of white people's houses to be frank with you as a child. But anyway, I digress. Um, but wow. but do you remember those? Do you remember those black velvet pictures? And yes. right, oh, so yeah. yes. that's what it reminded yes. me of, the black yes. picture that has the beautiful brown yes. hazelnut undertone child's face yep. right in the picture, almost like it's being lifted up. And in those moments yes. when I was, it would like, it's like the background would go black almost, but not completely black. Yeah. And then that face would raise forward. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of those pictures that I would see of little black children as a child. So anyway, so that was very like endearing um, for me too. The scene that I would say yeah. that... Um, uh, and th- that did that kind of balancing of, of pain and difficulty and beauty was um, there's a, there's a scene I guess maybe towards the end that features Harry Belafonte and oh my you know for, first of all I was like Harry that was traumatic it, it was, that was traumatic it was, for me it was super traumatic so, so it so it is heavy on the pain but but oh, there was so they were they're in the VSU house I think and Harry Belafonte is playing a person who is he's an elder. And he's a su- survivor mm-hmm. of witnessing a terrible lynching that took place, you know, decades ago. And so mm-hmm. he is telling this story to the young, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's telling the story to the young uh, members of this, you know, black, you know, this, this house, right? The, mm-hmm. the Black Student Union house. And he's going in detail. And I don't know how long this scene actually lasts, but in it felt like 30 minutes. I'm about to say, in not. my mind, exactly. In my mind, this scene was one third of this movie. I kid you not. Oh and my God. At, he, he slowly told the story in a way that fully humanized this little boy, this, this, this young man who was lynched. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And as he's speaking in like one of those old school wicker chairs, like that you associate with like the Black Panther Party, (laughs) around him are this much younger generation holding the images of the burnt body of this victim. Yes. Um, and then and then images of the, the crowd of, of white folks who were treating mm-hmm. this as a joyful event. Right. The, and brought picnic yes, baskets. The worst. I mean, these are things that are associated mm-hmm. with actual lynchings. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. so that is happening. That's painful. But yet it's beautiful to see him sharing this narrative, highlighting the pain of that moment and doing that to, with this younger generation. At the same time, Spike is moving back and forth between a scene. I believe if I got this right, Akimini, of of the Klansmen being initiated. Yeah. And so and so yeah. as he's recounting this story of, <sighs> of of this just wicked awful lynching, it's splicing back and forth to the Klansmen who've just been initiated yep. watching Birth of a Nation, to so the black and white movie that was played yes. in the White House when it first came out mm-hmm. um uh, in the early 1900s. They're watching this and this is like their cult classic. I mean like they're jamming on this like it's yes. Friday. And um, and they're they're so identified with what they think, what they're saying, what they feel like are heroes. These Klansmen rescuing white women from the grips of all these dysfunctional black men oh that gosh, want them, right? Yes. So they're watching that. You see black, you you, you see the uh, white Klansmen, but you also see their wives who are like diehard groupies, and they're really really mm-hmm. into it. And at the end of that scene, mm-hmm. you hear those people yell out "white power" after watching that. But at mm-hmm. the end of the scene mm-hmm. where Harry Belafonte tells this gripping and painful story, you hear the students in the Black Student Union, they then say, Black power. And for me in that moment, that's yes. it. So we, we had talked yeah. about this in the car right back, E, right? And so <laughs> and so people can take it different ways. I t- that's yeah. why I got a question. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I, I got a for question. me, I interpret that as these are not the same things. One of them is an expression of dominance mm-hmm. and one is an expression of dignity. Mm-hmm. And the way that that, that scene mm-hmm. was set up, for me, it made it clear. But of course, there will be people who I think will will, will lean and interpret right. it you know, in different ways. Right. That's actually, so that's why I was going to ask you. Um, I'm so glad you explained that. So you explained it perfectly too. Um, so I was going to ask you, okay, so what are, I wasn't going to ask you about the good and bad, but maybe should we lead into what, Let's talk about like what what were some of the good things that you thought were good in the film and some of and then we can go into what we thought was bad because but I will lead since we already talked about the scene I will say I I thought that the scene with Harry Belafonte was necessary. Okay. I also thought that the Ku Klux Klan one was necessary too to just see how wicked they are. Um, but I I just was uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 It was <laughs> with the, just, the juxtaposition, yeah. it made me nervous because I was like, I do not want people because we are living in the age of false equivalencies. Absolutely. And so, because false equivalencies is what got us Trump. I mean, so I'm really I'm a bit nervous. Yeah. I think it's expecting a lot for the for the audience to actually be able to make those distinctions so that's what made me nervous about it other than that um i actually thought it was good but i was just like oh are people gonna take away thinking yeah they're just like yeah. you know the clan yeah. they, you know you know how people make those yeah. uh, false um yeah. false comparisons but I don't, I don't know i guess we'll have to let people decide yeah and i think i think if they do they are not just implicitly racist uh-huh. they are flagrantly racist because right it, it is, like, it's just like well there you go you're real racist on that one <laughs> Not just systemically, but no, you real, real racist on that. So uh, because because it is so obvious, like one is being yeah, associated with exactly. the destroying of a black boy's body, and the other one is about the people that celebrate those who would do that. And so to see those of, as people yeah, requires not seeing black people as people <sighs> is what that requires to see that. So, but but you are right. I think that's a I think that's a fair concern. The, that was they, my only thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Then you and you ask like, what part did you know? what parts that I really, really like. So I actually, as I've been sitting and chewing on this, so um, Ron Stallworth, main character. And let me just Uh say, uh I thought this, I thought, uh, uh, what what, his whole name, what is it? Uh, John, is it John David? David? John David Washington. John David, John David Washington. I thought he was an outstanding actor, period. He is good. Outstanding, like outstanding. And what made his character so fascinating to me is that I did not expect him to be so quirky. I did not expect him to be, <laughs> I didn't expect him to be a really corny black guy. And yeah. there was something about that I actually liked. I liked the fact that when he 
would be insulted and you know and, and he as he as he grew in his own identity he would get a little bit tougher and firmer with the people that were obviously absolutely crazy at the police force but then when they would leave the room you would see him like break out into these self-defense moves and um <laughs> and then his humor was, oh yeah 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 his, yeah, yeah, yeah his humor was really quirky and patrice was so much to, patrice was just a lot cooler than him um mm-hmm. She just was a lot cooler, had a stronger sense of black identity and their dynamic together of this kind of quirky, corny, uh, super duper straight lace military kid background, black guy in juxtaposition to her, like keeping it real, fight the battle, black woman. Those two things together I found to be really, really interesting. And I don't think that we allow black men to be be geeky or corny or quirky. Um, yeah. And that's a part of minimizing the fullness of people's humanity. So, um, so that's something that I liked. I liked that about his character, even though at times I was like, he is so corny. <laughs> you know? So what, what, what about you? Well, I did. What I do, I, I don't think, I think some of the critics haven't given Spike enough credit for some of the, the nuance that he brought into the film. Um, I thought that um, the fictional edition of uh, the um, Ron Stallworth's uh, partner Flip Zimmerman being a Jewish man was pretty smart in that. Yeah. Um, although I could see how somebody might be like, okay, this is a little much, you know. So you have the blacks, and you know, I could I could see that. But on the flip side, I thought it was no pun intended. <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. it was um, pretty smart for him to bring in yeah. the, um, the 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 that that aspect right um, of the Jewish community who tends to pull into um, and tries to pass. Some right. uh, try to pass right for a wide a- wide Anglo-Saxon um, Protestant, which is exactly what Ron um, accused Flip of. Yeah, like, uh, hold up, like they're against you too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but you've been passing as a wasp this whole time, is what he said to him. Um, and, you know, and, and pretty much that, that's exactly what he said um, for the most part. And so, um, so I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really smart for him to bring in that nuance mm-hmm. because oftentimes they're missing. From these conversations, um, when we're talking about racism and, mm-hmm. and all of that, Jewish Americans. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the, un, until it's like explicit anti-Semitism, don't. That's only when you begin to hear um, a bit of a rumble from, um, you know, from the the Jewish community. So I thought that was really pretty smart for him to bring that in. Um, and and there was a moment in the um, in the film where um, there were shots fired outside at the moment. Um, that Ron Stallworth said that the police are like the Klan because they stand by their man, whether they're right or wrong. And so there was a scene. There's a there was a there's a cop in there who had actually uh, exalt, sexually assaulted actually mm-hmm. Patrice in mm-hmm. the movie, um, and got away with it, which is you know uh, which does happen. Um, and and so he was. So I think some of his partners were saying, "Oh yeah, well you know we don't." we don't turn on our own or something like that. And then at that moment, um, they flip to another scene and it, but the way they flip to another scene is that there's shots fired. Um, and, and at that moment that he's, he's, uh, the shots fire, Ron says, you know, the police are just like, um, uh, another group I know talking about the Klan, um, because they stand by their man right or wrong. And so I thought that was, that was, I thought that was pretty smart. I think you had to really pay attention to catch that, but it was almost as if, um, Spike was saying shots fired, like, you know, so, um, you know, that the term, so it's, I thought it was pretty subtle um, that. And so and, and I will say I will give Spike credit. Now, I know that there's the, a debate about this. Some people say that Spike let white women get off the hook. No, I don't necessarily agree. I don't think so. I don't yeah, think that's so. That's a fascinating discussion. I'd love to hear what y'all think about that. OK, right, like right, right. Yeah, exactly. The, who is, there was a white woman with like the most lines. She was basically Connie. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Break yep. that down for sure. That was Connie. OK, yeah. you're like, let's get into that. I'm sorry. Yeah, Connie. <laughs> Connie. <laughs> M's like, go there, go there. Um, it's um Connie Kendrickson was played by, let me make sure I get her name, played by mm-hmm. Ashley Atkinson. Okay, she was the wife of one of the uh, mm-hmm. prominent Klansmen in the movie. Um, who who was actually yeah, very good. I never want to I don't want to be I hope he was acting. Because you get stuck in my mind. You get stuck in my mind as that, okay? And so I'm like, you were just too good. I believe that you are this way. Um, so <laughs> no, but um, so so okay, so what I thought was smart about this movie is that man, I was like, oh, he I thought he implicated white women, which yes, that needed to be done. Um, because the the uh, Connie um was so they played Connie as this, well, I don't know, yeah, I want to say sure, dowdy. Sure. You could correct me, Christine. 
but kind of like a dowdy housewife, um, homemaker, um, who was given purpose and direction by her husband, Felix was mm-hmm. the name of the, the guy. Um, and she was always so giddy, right, about being, um, she, well, she was giddy about their uh, having a possible war between blacks and whites. So she was just as racist as her husband. Like, he made that clear. Um, but she also, there was a sense in which she was pretty insecure and almost worshipped the ground her husband worked on, um, walked on to some degree, almost like she was just happy that he was um, with her because she's more plus size. Um, and he is, and, and Felix was very thin. So there was some odd dynamics going on there um, between the relationship. But Connie was right there in the mix, um, also working to uh, actually kill Patrice, mm-hmm. right, by planting a bomb. Um, so I thought it was smart, because even at the initiation ceremony for the Klansmen or induction ceremony, whatever it was, uh, Connie and all the other wives were there. Um, and so he was not letting them off the hook. It was almost as if he was saying, hey, Spike was saying, look, um, just in case you guys don't aren't seeing this connection, this is the 53% of the women who voted for Trump. Like, don't miss this. Like, and, and like, and even in the past, they were implicated. Now, maybe he could have gone, gone a little stronger. I think I will give some people, the people on the other side who say that he let them off the hook. I will say that there was another branch of the KKK. There, there, sure. there were women of the Klan who actually had their own meetings and they had their own ideologies, which were racist, too. So I think he, maybe he could have made, you know, that connection. But I don't know. I thought I thought he did a decent job on that, honestly. He did not... In my view, he did not let them off the hook. Um, so I don't know, Christina. What did you think about that? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure what when people say off. I don't know what people, what exactly they want, right? <laughs> so every movie is not going to contain mm-hmm. all the sociological points that are good to to dive through. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a movie, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> but with that being said, I I found it really interesting. I. I when I think about the little insight flowers that popped up, that's that would be the the biggest part for me. Yeah, was the dynamic between um, Connie and Felix, who mm-hmm. uh, she mm-hmm. would try to insert herself into these male dominated spaces within her own house. Let me emphasize that within her own house, and literally <laughs> be shooed away yep. in her own house. But the one the one way in which she could insert herself was to have full allegiance. And, um, oh gosh, yeah, yeah, full allegiance, not just to Felix, but full allegiance to a designated and clear enemy. So what united them was not shared humanity or he wanted to hear about Connie's opinion. They were united in that they both had a shared enemy, which was black people, period. So, Mm -hmm. or in, Mm -hmm. in Jewish folks. And I mean, basically what, who they perceive as, as, as non, non non-whites, um, and yeah. so yeah. that I thought was interesting. That's how she was. That is really how she was wooing him. I think she really believed it ideologically, but I think even more so her way of getting close enough to his male, his male privilege was through the clear designation of a shared enemy, which is people of color. And so that I think that's incredibly yeah. nuanced to think about the ways in which white women try to get close to male privilege instead of dismantling systems of privilege. They get closer to white male Mm -hmm. privilege through having a shared enemy. Um, And the ways in which they do that don't look as crass as what we saw from the men who were members of the Klan, but what it does look like is supporting and affirming and literally feeding those and and advancing. advancing. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, when she's the person Mm -hmm. that takes the greatest Mm -hmm. risk and plants the the bomb, she actually put herself in the most physical harm. And what he and and if I was Mm -hmm. to contrast the relationship of Felix um, and Connie with the relationship between Ron and Patrice, Ron risked his life (laughs) for Patrice and Felix asked asked Mm -hmm. Connie to give up her life for his personal cause. And um, Mm -hmm. so anyway, so which all of that, very, very fascinating. And I think also on the surface, what they look like when she comes to the door and first lets the clan in, you know, she's got on her apron and she's got a dress and, and she's just like, Oh, gentlemen, Mm -hmm. she she is like fully embodying the character caricature of the 1950s housewife. Right. Um, And, and really trying to win them and woo them over with just niceness and full affirmation of whatever, whatever their agenda is. And so, um, yeah, j- just to put them in, in, put them in contrast with Ron mm-hmm. and Patrice, I just thought was yeah. re- really, really interesting. And fascinating. I mean, cause yeah, Connie, she represents, you know, um, white yeah. supremacist patriarchy. You know, she's, mm-hmm. she's, she's taking part 
you know, in the attack. Um, and she's satisfied with the terms of right? I mean, because he literally, I think her plan is to do that in order to approximate or to borrow some of the privileges of white male power in in Mm. in her family system or in that social Mm -hmm. system, right? And so her way of doing that is by risking her life um, to to do that thing. So yep. And they only they only give you the crumbs. They will only give you the crumbs. And so it was it to me it was interesting because in that in the scene with the um where they're doing the initiation ceremony, they're watching you know birth of oh, yeah. and Connie's the loudest one. Get him, get him, get him! And there was this line that she said, which because <laughs> um, it just it encapsulates it, it it encapsulates white mediocre mediocrity. I mean, seriously, and she was like, the, "This on white woman is running face. away from yeah. you know this, this black black man black face on a birth of a man, and she's running black face black man. I'm right, right. um, trying to yeah, exactly black face black man." I'm trying to run away, going down the stairs, and, she, and as she's going down the stairs and fleeing, she says, "The ingenuity of white women!" She yells out. I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> it was the funniest line. I was like, "This, you, you really think that is real? You really believe that?" Okay, like, running down the stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> simply because she's running down the stairs. The most basic thing. The most. The most. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! It was just so ridiculously hilarious because it was like, "Wow, yeah. you actually really believe it? Like, you live to yeah. make it? It's like, yes, that's a point." I mean, spikes. You know, Spike so, did uh, not give us, in this movie, was, Spike clearly makes a choice not to give us a white progressive feminist woman. He doesn't give us that. He he, he does not give us nope. the, he does not give us someone Mm-mm. like that at all. Like he doesn't even give us, so he doesn't give us, it's like you get one white woman and it's this one, <laughs> it's this one. And she, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, the other yeah. ones are playing but, but the background is, and with their husband. Yeah, that's it. I yeah. mean, she fully embodied, I mean, he only gave yeah. us one and I think to me, that's a statement in and of itself that he's like, I'm going to give you the person who's willing to risk their mm, lives and to kill black people in order to get close proximity to white male dominance. That's the only one he would give us. And so that's something to really sit with and chew on and and and, <laughs> and think about as well. Mm. So it was it was an an absolute doozy. Um, so there's yeah, there's so many scenes that the the, the uh, David Duke exchanges with Ron Stallworth, um, the stereotypes about Black people and their voices, because a lot of this happens over the phone. Um, as Ron Stallworth is playing, okay. uh, Black Ron Stallworth, his real name mm-hmm. he accidentally right. gives, is playing White Stallworth, his partner, over the phone. And so all these stereotypes about what what does a Black voice wow. sound like? Yeah. Um, get, you know, all those mm-hmm. assumptions get yep. played out in the movie as well. Wow. Yeah, that's all in there. That is amazing what Spike obviously is giving and implying. You know, he does obviously takes a lot of liberties uh, with uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a loosely based film. But we also have spaces where people are arguing that he's not giving particular things. Right. So, yeah, on Twitter out right. here. Just letting them know. Oh, come with it. Come with it. Just yes. Yes. Letting I forgot about that for a second. No. <laughs> what are talking about? That's true. What, what, what boots talking about? And boots is out here, and you know he's making he's breaking it down with all kinds of like, yo, from we family, all that kind of respect. Um, he really praises Spike, and in a lot of ways does good work with what I think is serious disagreement and with the true story. Um, so we're looking at um, his. Did he just type this up on his computer? And I think so, and then tweeted it out. Yeah, that's what's up, man. He's like, I don't need no uh, platform or publication. <laughs> so if you know the tweet that I'm referencing, um, it says, here are some thoughts. Uh, it contains spoilers. And he goes into and in his attached pages talking about Spike being a big influence. And he says, mm-hmm. first, Black Klansman is not a true story. Um, and then he wants to make it clear mm-hmm. that, you know, the things that were kind of just shifted over or, you know, just quickly brushed over in Spike's um, movie was basically the counterintelligence program that mm-hmm. we're learning more and more about thanks to a number of the Black Liberation Movement resurfacing yeah. and uh, regrouping today into organizations that raise awareness of COINTELPRO and Stallworth's mm-hmm. um, obvious participation in it. And that was highlighted and talked about in the film, but it was not deeply yeah. addressed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the idea that um, also the 
potential and I'm just going to be out there resident radical at the table. I'm slut y'all. No, we out here like Spike's getting paid by police. That has yeah, influence know. on his work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'd just be really interested to hear the interactions with what Boots is saying. Obviously, he's an up and coming director, but he's been around as a filmmaker, a storyteller. He's, you know, doing a lot. And his viewpoints, I think they're they're expressed in an explicit, very opinionated way. But I, I think it was it was crafted as in a really, I think, considerate way, um, talking about how he interacted with the film personally and what he felt was important to raise mm-hmm. that the film didn't particularly yeah, raise. Yeah, yeah. So if y'all read that, how would you yeah, interact with yeah. this comment? I, I mean, I think some of it was valid. I mean, because I thought, I, I think some of, I think some of the worst parts of the film or, uh, or uh, are, is that, yeah. first of all, I thought, yeah. it, I thought it went 20 minutes too sure. long. That's one. Hmm. I, th- I thought it could have ended really at the scene that I loved, you know, but I'm biased. Um, so, <laughs> which which I, I was totally the, you know, the two of them, you know, on, you know, Spike's mm-hmm. um, camera trick. I really think it could have ended there, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I also was not comfortable with the way he had positioned the cops almost as if I felt like people could take away from this. The answer is we need black cops. I'm like, that's not oh, the answer. Uh-huh. And so, I, so in some ways, I felt like it just took a turn a bit, a hard turn. And I'll let Christina finish this because she had brought this out uh-huh. um, when we were talking. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was it was a bit too, um, you know, painted the cops as heroes mm-hmm. um, a bit too much because there's a lot of that narrative still happening, um, contrary sure. to popular belief. So I thought it was a little surprising. And I wondered, I was like, well, would 90 Spike have you know, um, shifted it this way or, you know, and I know that as we get older, you know, we change, we get a bit, a bit more conservative, maybe, you know, um, in our thinking, not, I'm not talking politically, but just, we just begin to, you know, change a bit. Um, and so I don't know. I thought that was a bit odd for me. Um, so I, I didn't know what to make of that. That was, that's probably my harshest critique of it. I was like, wait, what are we trying to say? You're trying to tell me that the cops are going to save the day. Like they're fighting against white, white supremacy. It's a white supremacist system. I don't understand that. Um, so that was weird to me. You know, Satan can drive out Satan. That, that was just weird. I didn't get it. So, so, uh, so that's just my own, you know, take on mm-hmm. it. Um, so I think Boots was valid in some of his critiques. I really do. Okay. From what I saw. I and mean, I didn't read the whole thing because yeah, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. skew my little perspective. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, so I, I can I'll, resonate I'll, with some of that too. I, so I felt like the movie, it wasn't just so much about the, the, the portrayal of the police, although that this makes it much more like neon technicolor, right? Towards the end. I just I just felt like he was shifting to having to give <laughs> us to give us this Hollywood polished ending of like happy, happy, clappy. And the problem with that is is that it's not happy clappy. Like, like things really suck mm-hmm. and they're quite racist and our systems are problematic. And so uh, I would have preferred to not have that in the movie mm-hmm. for it to end exactly where Kimberly talked about it, it ending with the uncertainty of Patrice and Ron's relationship, centering it black mm-hmm. on back on the black community, which is what they represented, the different tension points in the way that we think and see the world. Um, mm-hmm. I would have loved for it to stop right there and then immediately go into the scenes of Charlottesville, which I thought was very like impactful, but super duper painful. Like I, I could have wept. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, yeah so I felt more so like this it just was. doesn't make sense it like was. why do you, why do we have to end it like this and so when I described it even on Twitter I was like it reminded me of Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> I mean it was like dun, 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 like cop buddy movie towards the end I was like how did that happen like they treat you terrible they're super racist it's crazy I'm confused right now I'm so confused and, I, and now I'm, we're and in I'm Top Gun and I'm saying I'm saying as a person who grew up who grew He's up with proximity to African American police officers I was in the wedding of a black a black cop male cop and a female cop so I'm not a person who in, who in so in, so that in that sense I have a humanizing view of officers like I know they real people that's real people um made an image of god and yet at the same time they are connected to and work through a system that was founded to maintain and to to condition marginalized people for the benefit of those with social privilege defined by whatever that social system might happen to be um so i um yeah all that to say is i don't have a problem with a police officer doing a good thing in a movie (laughs) Good, praise be to God. But I do have a problem with so desperately needing a Hollywood ending that you would create this this super happy clappy narrative um, 
that really just doesn't doesn't even rain true doesn't doesn't even flow from the storyline and it doesn't yeah, um, and it doesn't fully respect your audience either mm-hmm. so i think those were uh i think my my concerns true. walking away mm-hmm. from it then of course later find it out with the with the like the boost article i was like oh that's a lot what's going on there <laughs> i mean i was like huh <laughs> Okay, thank you for that information. So yeah, um, I, yeah at the same time, that shots fired scene that a Kimmy referenced mm-hmm. when he's like, you know, they function, this can function like a fraternal gang. You know, we, we, we got each other's back, whether mm-hmm. we're right or wrong. And the shots fired piece, I felt like that was his mm-hmm. intervention. So even if like, if we're going to go conspiracy, if we're going to go conspiracy theory and be like, Spike created a propaganda piece to support yeah. the police. Yeah. Nah, this is not a propaganda. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's quite, it's completely that. But even if even if he had more positive leanings than I would, I still think that 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 yeah, little snippet right there, that introduction, um, that insertion of the shots fired, may have been his artistic pushback um, in that moment. Yeah, that's a helpful perspective. I do think that um, there's so much to be said about um, mm-hmm. the ways in which there's a through line drawn from the infiltration of the clan into yeah. um, the actions and really the the murder that occurred in Charlottesville and then you know, mm-hmm. a, a stark um, yeah. void of connection from yeah. uh, police brutality um, yep. in yep. the past and today. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, again, films are not supposed to just Everybody, since this is a film about black people, we're going to teach you something, right? You know, people <laughs> look at and parse yeah. to death 12 Years a Slave and be like, it didn't teach about every single institutional impact. Of the- it's a oh, film. Yeah, it's a movie. I mean, come, come on. on. Yeah, you got to respect the meeting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all, this is our last <laughs> episode. What, what can we say we you know we do we never back down from any kind of complexity or awkwardness we really hit them hard at the end of season two i'm like i guess so i guess so if you're still at the table congratulations that's you know that's what i know right these last couple of episodes oh lord and <laughs> uh, our live event, somebody asked, you know, when when have y'all hit an impasse? I just started laughing, you know, just like, <laughs> that's hilarious today. <laughs> right, um, so many people around us have hit an impasse because of us. Well, mm-hmm. well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's been good though, and I know a lot of season two was carried um, by y'all too. So I have, you know, I've got these ideas for a little like appreciation gifts. I'm on the record <laughs> letting y'all know that I owe these women. Yeah, I just feel like that should be said on, you know, live <laughs> on podcast television. Oh, we love you, Eminem. Um, <laughs> we love you, girl. We, do. <laughs> we love you, Mimi. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and because the revolution will literally not be televised, um, it can, sure. it, it also never sleeps. And mm-hmm. so a lot of my activity out on these streets, whether it's in yeah. St. Louis yeah. or around the country, um, it just really draws, draws me away. And I think that Truth Table is one of those precious places where I'll be out and I'm like, ah, oh, they're recording or, oh my God, I'm missing this mm. interview with this most amazing person. Um, so there's, yeah, there is just a lot of space and room for, you know, point of personal privilege if I can just take that on this <laughs> podcast today, on this Who day. Who's that? Um, and give like, you know, just a lot of props. I mean, just mad, mad love and strong love and respect for what my sisters do. And it means a lot to me that even in recognizing that schedules will simply not flex to allow me to be a regular part of the table, uh, my my feelings are very deep in that mm-hmm. the space to remain in some capacity, yeah. I hesitate to use the word any, <laughs> Uh, is is the it's a real grace it is and so I, I think it's worth it for our listeners to hear that I have a personal testimony of mm-hmm. flexibility patience and grace from my two uh, dear sisters who who really mean a lot to me um, there's just a lot happening you could you could live a year in a mm-hmm. day if you mm-hmm. move into my mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's worth it to try to change that mm-hmm. <laughs> so- Amen. Jesus gonna fix that's a, a prayer request listeners you hear that? <laughs> 
stretch out your hands. Um, and I'm still hoping for like an episode on black churchism. Like I'm it's holding it down. I'm gonna be on that one. I'm gonna be on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we really appreciate all our listeners, and that's sort of my mini update for season three. I'm so looking forward to it, and, and my hope is that um, I become an avid uh, listener uh, uh, as much as I continue to be uh, an avid contributor. Mm. I'm so excited for the chance Amen. to just be able to show up when when I'm available, and yeah. uh, it actually hopefully makes more sense for yeah. our schedules mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as well. Because I know y'all out here, y'all out here, what's going on with y'all on this break? Well, I just well go for yeah, it. We, Go ahead. No, and, also, and you know, we love, we love you, M. You know that. Um, and so, yeah, and so we are just grateful that you were able to be here as consistently as you were. And we don't know what season three will be. You might still hear from, you know, a lot. You may not. Maybe more like season two. We don't know. Um, but we, of course, want, you know, our listeners to know that. But, you know, Michelle, we love you. We value you, which is why we're like, ah. We'll move forward, you know, with the two of us and you join when you can, because your voice is so valuable. Um, I mean, I just love just your own insights on scripture um, into worship. You were born to worship um, and you take that worship into the streets um, and advocate, you know, for our people. Um, and I, I just love that about you. I think you're you're one of the smartest people I know. Um, and, you know, you got a song on your heart all the time. And so- <laughs> And I just, I, I absolutely love, respect, and adore you. And so, which is why we're like, ah, uh, no, we don't want, you know, we're not trying to replace you at all. We want you to come when you're able to. And so who knows what that might look like um, this time next year. We don't know. So uh, right. we don't know. We, the prayers of the righteous do avail as much. So we're going to see. Prayers so, <laughs> up. Prayers But yeah, but even if you're not here to be able to be here on every single episode, you know, you know that we love you. You know, our affection for you is strong. And our respect for you is as well. Yeah, and I would I would echo all of that, um, and just and just personally say how um, yeah how much I've I've appreciated having your voice at the table, and even more importantly that at the truth table, how much I've appreciated your voice outside of truth table. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much I've appreciated it through. Uh, just phone calls or when we're connected in beyond just the podcast yeah. world, right? Because we, mm-hmm. we don't just live in these little podcast moments. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, yeah, so I, I just, I, I value your dogged commitment yes. to yes. Um, to loving people that people have convinced are not, are convinced that aren't worthy of love. I, um, I value your, uh, your soul, like it is insane. And the Kimmy is right. Like you are brilliant. Um, and I don't think people listen well enough to always know that. I'm like, no, she, she really playing like 3d chess right now. I don't think, (laughs) I don't think like, don't, don't, don't be confused by, you know, like this is 3d chess things. Um, and she's, she's saying things and she's not saying things and she's shaping, like you, there's a lot happening. You, you gotta lean in, you gotta lean in. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's just a reflection of, you know, just God given, uh, intellect and artistry. And, and this is me just saying, I'm looking forward to the day, although this is not your plan for next year, I'm just going to say what I want. Um, that's, <laughs> just, because you know, that's what I do. I'm like, this is what I would like to happen now. I mean, I am looking forward because I really do think that, uh, you are just an insanely gifted, uh, worship leader. Um, I, I mean, I just, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. And it, part of it is because you are a worship leader, not just uh, in the local church space. You are you would be a worship leader on a subway train. You would be a worship leader. <laughs> you are a worship yep. leader going to visit somebody in prison. You are a Don't worship leader <laughs> on the podcast. Like at a mm-hmm. drop of a hat, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can, um, Go. to pull, pull from my friends who are part of other more Pentecostal traditions, you can work to shift the atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. by, by through song, through body language, by, through artistry, pointing us to Jesus and his sufficiency. And that is that is no small thing. That ain't just singing. That is worshiping and, and taking yeah. us with you so that we can see God together. And my hope is that one day I'll be able to play your music for my children. Um, yes. And yes. music that comes from all those places, like in the streets. Because, <laughs> um, and, and the, yeah, anyway, I can go on and on. But I will certainly miss... Uh, hearing your voice maybe as frequently as we've heard it in the past, but I look forward mm-hmm. to hearing your voice like on the phone and when we go hang out <laughs> as well. Yes. 
Amen. <laughs> Y'all got me crying out here. I, I, come you. on, gangster boo. Don't cry. We love you. We're against all that. Don't cry, black woman stuff. Exactly. I'm, See, I'm not your superwoman, but yeah, no, we love you. We love. She's the one. The one that was trying to reclaim it is the one that's crying. Let it out. Let it out. Let it go. 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 <laughs> no, but we love you. We love you, Em. I mean, I, you know, you gotta know. If you didn't know, you know. You know, we love you. We love you. I, I strongly believe that God built this table. And he built it for the three of us. Ain't no, this is the covenantal <laughs> table. <laughs> hey, hey, that's what friendship is. Like that's it or not, it's the covenantal table. And yeah, and there's just, you know, it's just, you're just in a busy season of your life. And we understand that, you know, and we just want our, we just want y'all to know the rest of y'all at the table. We just want you to know. So it ain't like she's gone forever. She gonna, she, you'll be yeah. hearing her voice. You know, it's just, you may not hear it every week. You may not, you know. Or it is a great pleasant surprise if you do. We don't know. And so, because life is just that way. But we love you. You know, we do. We love you. Um, we respect you. Um, yeah. And adore you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And hopefully our listeners keep us mm-hmm. all lifted. Amen. Yes. Yes. Do, yes. do yes. note first. Going out. There's always. We real, we real mm-hmm. out here. Uh, but y'all know it's, it's other little spaces and tables where we really yeah. break it down. And, um, yeah. and we're doing we're doing a lot of the work in many realms. There's a reason this table is so important, and one of those yeah. one of those reasons is uh, Black womanhood can yeah. be very lonely. Well, uh, and we well. just you know we refuse uh, to accept yeah. that as the norm. It mm. is not normal. It is heartbreaking, and it breaks the heart of God yeah. that our mm-hmm. existence um, should be an experience of loneliness at any time. Uh, and so this this table is so important to remind mm-hmm. all of our sisters of that. Um, so I appreciate I appreciate the forward motion and obviously the open space. There's even more space here for more people, um, yeah, voices yeah. to be brought in. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm Good stuff. Something. Thanks, Em. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. Well, thanks, Em. So of course, to our listeners, we want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about cl- Black Klansmen. We want to know. Um, use the hashtag Truth Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table, or email us your thoughts at ask truthstable at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review the show on itunes and subscribe on the satchel podcast player truth table is made possible in part by potestary studios visit potestary.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment our producer for the show is joshua heath our executive producer is bo york and we have been your hosts akemini michelle and christina we'll see you soon on the next <laughs> oh actually we'll see y'all on season three <laughs> 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 next <Yeah>. truth table <laughs> bye y'all <laughs>